0: In the coffin, I'm Tom Valentino. Coming up in just a minute, Jason Arkley of the Athens Messenger to talk about the MAC tournament, which tips off today at the queue. We also talk a little bit about my OU Bobcats. And uh, we actually recorded this interview on Tuesday night, which is notable because we spent a good amount of time talking about the future of OU's program with the uncertainty over the future of head coach Saul Phillips looming. Ohio actually announced on Wednesday morning that Phillips' contract will not be renewed. So the Bobcats are going to be in the market for a new coach. Still lots of good stuff from Jason about what's gone on with Ohio this year that led up to Wednesday morning's news and he gave an awesome breakdown of the eight schools who will be playing this weekend in Cleveland. Here you go. It's Mid-American Conference Tournament Week in Cleveland, which means that uh, on the line, Jason Arkley, uh, Ohio University beat writer for the Athens Messenger, he was in uh, DeKalb, Illinois last night for the Bobcats season-ending loss to NIU. Jason, you've made it to Cleveland?
1: Yes, yes, I have that's uh that's over nine hundred miles driven the last two days uh, I drove from Athens to the Calb on Monday, then from DeKalb to Cleveland on Tuesday. I'm ready to stay put for a few days
0: that's that trip from Athens is rough i I've never driven I can't even imagine trying to drive that, because the one time I did that, it was for football when I was covering the football team down there in o three, and at that point we had an arrangement where I was able to travel with the team. I'm sure my ethics mm-hmm. professor over in the uh, script school wouldn't have been thrilled <laughs> with that arrangement, but it uh, it worked out. But I'll tell you, even doing that was brutal because we had to take a bus from Athens up to Columbus and it wasn't the main airport. I feel like there was one on the Southwest side of town. Yeah. The
1: Rickenbacker. We, so that, you, that yeah, that was you, it. You, yep. Yeah. You, so we you bust to Rickenbacker. Then you yeah. fly from Rickenbacker to like Rockford, Illinois, and then you get on the bus again to get from Rockford to the Cubs. So uh, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and
0: when we did that, so we had the, the the bus ride, the flight, the bus ride, and then coming back, it was a night game there, and the game went to overtime, and you know there's the hour time difference, so you lose an hour coming back, and I think. We ended, I remember getting back to my apartment just off of campus that year at like at like five in the morning or something, and pretty much most of my Sunday was shot, and that, that season was pretty rough in general. It was a, a two, two and ten season, and uh, I said, the other thing I remember, that, that Northern Illinois team, just to kind of show you how things have changed, they went ten and two that year. They were ranked for most of the season, and they did not get a bowl game,
1: which Back in the back, back in the days when there was like one for the entire conference, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, yeah, they yeah. lost the tiebreaker uh, for the uh, the division crown and didn't get to play in the MAC championship game, and yeah, they they got left out of the bowl season, which was just outrageous. But uh, anyway, uh, back to the present. You are <laughs> uh, you're in Cleveland. We've got the MAC uh, basketball tournament going on. Uh, but you did not bring the Bobcats with us. I, I got to ask you a few questions about that um, r- rough season, man. Not uh, not great.
1: Yeah, uh, second straight year where the Bobcats finish uh, fourteen and seventeen overall, and uh, unfortunately, like last year, this season is going to be remembered as uh, again another what if kind of year. Uh, injuries at key positions left some obvious and glaring holes. And those obvious and glaring holes reared their head throughout the year and, uh, really put, uh, really put Ohio behind the gate ball from, from day one since the season started. Last year, Ohio couldn't rebound, uh, couldn't score in the post. Their, their front court depth was decimated. This year, uh, experienced guard play, uh, pretty much non-existent. Uh, they, they had two junior or senior guard Jordan Dardis didn't practice one time all season. Junior guard, uh, James Gollan. We got to play in just six games this year. Um, again, both injury related. Uh, you're talking about two guys that that shoot at or above 40% from three, and without those two guys playing this year, Ohio promptly went out and shot under 30% as a team from three-point range this year. One of the 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 worst three-point shooting effort from an Ohio team in quite some time, and and one of the worst teams in the country in that regard this year. And, uh, Monday was another good example of that. Bobcats goes say. two of 18. <laughs> yeah, Bobcats go two of eighteen from the arc. NIU hit eight in the first half alone and, and that was game set match. And uh you in today's college basketball, you can't consistently be negative twenty seven, negative thirty five when it comes to three point uh points from the three point arc and, and give yourself a good chance to win every night. it's such a huge and integral part of the game at every level and uh Division One Men's College Basketball is no exception. You've got to have that as part of your arsenal, and, and Ohio didn't this year, and, and and in my opinion, really paid the price ter- in terms of wins and losses.
0: All right. So last year, when we talked at this time, it was you know a, kind of a similar season, although the reasons for that slightly different. You know, front court versus yep. back court, like you said. Yep. And I remember asking you were the natives starting to get a little restless with with uh, Saul Phillips, the head coach, and I can't imagine that this year would have done anything to improve things on that front. And, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of a weird situation. He was in a contract year, and you don't normally see that, I feel like. Normally coaches get extended or they get let go before they get to the final year of, of their deal. And, you know, what what's going on there?
1: That's the, that's the big question. Everyone's waiting for Ohio AD Jim Schaus to, to make a decision on this. If you're not familiar with the backstory, uh, Ohio, uh, after Phillip's third year, had just posted back-to-back 20-plus win seasons, had just finished as the number two seed in the Mid-American Conference two years in a row. And that seemed like the ideal time for an extension to get done, right? Uh, he, was, he had three years of his five-year contract completed, uh, trending upwards in the right direction. Get get your two-year, three-year extension done and, and keep working and keep building. It didn't get done. And at uh, some point early in uh, early last year, year four, Ohio broke off negotiations. Uh, this, is, this is before conference play started. So uh, Ohio breaks off negotiations in year four, and there's been virtually no negotiation or any real work done on a contract extension since. So uh, you can look at Ohio's record the last two years. You can look at the fact that Ohio hasn't even made it to Cleveland for the Mac quarters in two years and say, um, that's not getting the job done. And you're right. Uh, they got to be better. Uh, but on the other hand, I find it very odd that, that Ohio administratively was, was willing to put themselves in this kind of situation uh, where, where they didn't get a contract done and did nothing to, it it, it looked like, you know, surface glance it looks like Ohio made up its mind after year three, when there was nothing to tell you at that point in time that that should be the decision you make. So it's been a very odd situation. They had to coach out this year as, as for his job or as a lame duck or however you want to put it. And whenever that's the case, that coach usually doesn't return. Um I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but, but you know, you look at every coach that goes through that, that lame duck kind of year and, and, I would say nine nine times out of ten that guy doesn't doesn't get another year at that current school, so uh this year uh I think the divide grew a little bit, whereas after last year I would have said it was probably about thirty percent really unhappy uh you know fifty percent you know this is our guy, and twenty percent kind of undecided. I think it's a pretty clear fifty fifty split right now with within the Ohio fan base of. We gotta get rid of this guy. Our program's going in the toilet, and the other 50% are saying, "No, this guy has had horrible injury luck the last two years. When his team has been healthy, we've been among amongst the best teams in the conference." And bridging that divide right now is, is Jim Schwartz, who has not uh, not tipped his hand one way or another in regards to Phillips's contract all season long. The clock is now officially ticking, though, with the season over. Uh, if you're going to make a switch, uh, that decision needs to be made quickly. You need to identify a target, land that target, and and again be up and running. I think probably uh, by the end of the the NCAA tournament, you know, you want to have that guy either hired or, or ready to to sign on the line by by the, the championship Monday, right? Because you got to talk to your own roster, you got to see about recruiting. You, there's all the stuff you have to do. So we're in that three week, three and a half week window right now. The clock is ticking. Shouse has got to make a decision one way or the other, and he's got to do it soon.
0: I remember. I can't, I can't remember if it was Jim Christian or uh, it was Saul, but one of those two hires. Those, they they announced that, or the news on that broke uh, at like eleven o'clock on Saturday night during the Final Four.
1: And uh, that was that was that was the Saul hire. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's that's typically if you've got an open coaching position, and and you're an AD, you're at Final Four weekend. Um, that is a chance to meet guys face to face. That's a chance to line up interviews. And that's when a lot of hires are made, or if not made, then, then really finalized or closed out. So that the NCAA tournament, if you're not playing in it, then that's, that's hiring season, man. That's, that's when you're, you're seeing who you can talk to, who you can arrange meetings with and, and trying to get that done. All right. Last
0: question. I'll ask you about this. And then we'll get to the teams that are actually playing here this weekend in Cleveland. Um, you know, when they did make that, when Ohio did make that hire uh, of Saul Phillips, I remember him getting up for max standards, a pretty big contract in, in a lot of money and in, in five years. And I you know, just wonder, did they did they reach a little bit? Was that an overspend? I know he was a real hot candidate at the time. You know, uh, North Dakota State was which is where he had been up to that point. He had just taken them to the NCAAs. I think they won a game in the, in the tournament. Um, so obviously, you know, he was in demand and I'm just kind of wondering if that contract has kind of uh, been part of the reason that he's gotten to this lame duck year. Is it kind of a situation where after last year, they wanted to give him every last opportunity to kind of bounce back this year and, and earn that extension and avoid getting into a situation where they had to pay pay, a buyout on him and whatever the cost of bringing a new coach is at the same time.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of, of folks who feel that Ohio overpaid uh, for the current head coach. Um, I have bad news for those people. Ohio is going to, if, you know, if they overpaid for Phillips, who was no longer the highest, co- highest paid coach in the in the conference, uh, a couple of people have passed him um, uh, since since he was hired five years ago. There's, I think there's at least one women's coach in the MAC making more than he is right now, uh, as, as well. So, uh, but the point is if, if you thought Ohio overpaid for their head coach five years ago, you're going to feel that way again in April because, uh, I don't, I'm not getting, getting the impression Ohio is going to pull back its funding, at least for the head coaching position. Uh, times are tight. The athletic department, uh, budget isn't as big as it was five years ago. Uh, but I think Schaus is committed to to paying as much as not as much as he can for a head coach. But you, by paying more, you you open up your your pool of candidates to a wider range of people. Maybe someone who wasn't interested at 400 grand is now interested at 550. So I think Ohio is going to do what it it can. If and again, if if it indeed decides to go after a, another coach, I, I think they're going to be end up paying the same if if not more for the next guy they bring in. So that's that's something else that that she has, has to uh, has to weigh and consider. Uh, I I don't think Ohio is going to going to drop their salary for whoever they hire next, be it uh, be it a head coach with lots of experience or be it a head coach with very little head coaching experience. So money is an issue, uh, but but you're kind of stuck uh, right now because because as soon as you start going backwards on the salary. That's a red flag to everyone else in the conference, and uh, that will be hammered home when you're recruiting for kids across the Midwest uh, against these other programs head the head.
0: Well, whether it's Saul Phillips coming back next year or it's a new coach uh, with a new staff, whoever it is, I, I hope they uh, right the ship here because two straight years of not having the alma mater coming up to Cleveland for this tournament has really bummed me out. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year, and I, I love having them here. I love going down and seeing them in those games that they had against Akron in the championship game on those Saturday nights. You know, it's been a long time now. I miss that. I I, I want yeah, them back yeah, in the I, mix.
1: I think a lot of Ohio fans miss that. And, and on the positive side, whether it's Phillips next year or or a new guy, you you have to feel better about your injury luck turning. Uh, not to belabor uh, this point, but but Saul Phillips has has had an inordinate amount of injuries the last two years. Uh, entering year four, he had two preseason All-Mac East players, Jordan Dardis, uh, the shooting guard, and uh, power forward Jason Carter. In the two years since since those guys landed preseason All-Mac honors, they played a grand total of three games together. Jeez. Uh, so, you know, they were two of the best players in the league two years ago, and they haven't been able to play together uh, virtually at all since. Um, so at some point, this is going to turn, and, and Ohio's going to have a run at like like they're accustomed to having where they don't lose all conference or, or starters two or three every season. And whether that's Saul or a new guy, someone's going to reap the benefits of that, and I think real soon.
0: Well, there's a very large alumni contingent up here in Northeast Ohio that would be very happy to fill up the sections behind one of those <laughs> benches in Quicken Arena. Uh, for a few games uh, in in of March uh, in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but as for this week, uh, we've got uh, eight teams remaining. We've got the quarterfinals in the men's tournament coming on Thursday. Uh, kick it off at noon with Buffalo and Akron. I believe Buffalo would be looking for their fourth NCAA appearance in five years. And uh, yep. I, I've, I've I, got to I assume
1: – this is my opinion. I don't think they're looking for that fourth one. I think it's done. I think they're in. They could go out there and score 10 points Thursday and lose to Akron. I think they're in the tournament. They deserve to be in the tournament. Uh, they've been top 20 in virtually every efficiency metric from season start. They've been in the top 25 uh, since essentially the season start. Uh They've won 28 games already. I think they're in. To me, the story of the tournament is, can anyone beat Buffalo and the MAC break that huge streak of only getting one team into the NCAA? I think Buffalo's punched their ticket. Now, to me, the question is, can someone else in that field find a way to bump them off and give MAC two teams, in, uh you know, in the Big Dance? Can they? Is there anyone? <laughs> Uh, that's, that's the good question because, because Buffalo is taking care of business. They're going to be playing on a neutral court. They're not going to be playing on the road at DeKalb on a Tuesday night where they lost in Northern Illinois. They're not going to be playing in front of, you know, 5,000 folks in, or 4,000 folks, whatever it is in the Stroh Center on a Friday night. These are neutral court games and, and I really like their chances against everyone that they potentially could face. Akron deserves a, a caveat though. That's the first quarterfinal game at noon. For whatever reason, the Zips have given them trouble in two games this year, and were in both games until you know some some runs late kind of put Buffalo in the clear. That's a, that's a noon start. If the if the Bulls are feeling fat and happy, like I think they should be, that that could be that could be an upset waiting to happen because Akron has played them tough. They will defend, and John Gross teams take a lot of threes, and when you take a lot of threes, you have a chance to make a lot of threes, and and, and all it takes is a Is a little free magic, uh, some defense, and a lethargic Buffalo team, and we could have a big upset in the first game of the tournament up here.
0: All right, so since you made a point of the fact that this game is at noon and it involves Akron, you've got Kent State and Central Michigan in the second game. That'll probably tip off around 2.30. Can I just ask, what is the Mac doing putting Kent and Akron on an afternoon session when they could have them playing the night session and probably guarantee a double in their attendance? uh, uh for,
1: for those quarterfinal
0: games i know they've they flipped that in years past to get those teams playing at night i know that's been done
1: i i don't have a good answer for you i i think i i do know the mac does give considerations to the top seeds about when they want to play mm. and um uh, the only thing i could think of is you know buffalo said hey we want the early window uh but i don't have a good reason because it makes a lot of sense that you would you would Try to you would try to move your brackets around uh, uh, as much as you can to accommodate that. Uh, maybe they're taking a different approach, and they said, "This is the bracket. This is where you're going to be. If you like it, great. If you don't, tough." But uh, that's, that's something I'll try to ask John Steinbrecker about later this week about the ability to 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 fix the home crowd numbers for for the evening sessions on, especially on a day like Thursday when you got all eight teams playing.
0: Right. Yeah. And if that is what you, if if they're going in the direction that you suggested there as a possibility of asking Buffalo and getting their input as the top seed. I'd be totally fine with that. You know, you win the regular season title. I think you deserve to have that kind of a benefit if they would want to play at noon and kind of try to space their games out a little bit more, give themselves a little extra time to recover before the semis. uh, I guess that would make some sense that Buffalo team pretty senior laden, right? They're, they're really experienced. A lot of familiar faces that have been there before.
1: Five of the top seven guys in their rotation are seniors, and all five of those guys have been multiple year starters, or in the case of Nick Perkins, uh, a three time, uh, max six man of the year kind of guy. Uh, they, they've, they've played, I, I've been telling people this for a while now, but, but Akron or uh, Buffalo, excuse me, Buffalo this year, uh, probably looks and plays like Ohio fans think that the Ohio team of 2013. Uh, would have looked and played had John Gross stayed still, instead of got, going to Illinois, because that's, that's kind of the scenario that played out, right? Buffalo got in the tournament last year, a bunch of juniors, a bunch of guys that were experienced, got in the tournament one, their head coach came back and they, they rallied together, got even closer and have had, uh, you know, one of the best seasons in, in the conference history. And, and, and yes, there's a lot of similarities between Buffalo this season and that, that Ohio team. 2012 going into the 2013 they had to switch coaches and, and I'm sure that's driving some of these Bobcat fans nuts too thinking you know that that could have been us you know five years ago or six years ago if, if we hadn't lost our head coach but the Bulls will run the floor uh they'll defend they're they're all about tempo the, they'll spread the floor and take a ton of three-pointers they've got great guard play uh C.J. Massenburg has been one of the best players in the country uh and Dante Carruthers Devontae Jordan. They got two guards who don't care how many shots they get. They're going to get up and defend into somebody all the time. Uh, Jeremy Harris, to me, is the X factor for this tournament. He struggled a little bit with his shot this season, but uh, he's smooth and angular and long and and can create off the dribble against probably any defender he's going to see up here in Cleveland. And then Nick Perkins, uh, you know, the big guy who who can finish around the rim and, and has a real knack for hitting those back-breaking threes. they They've got all the bases covered. They've got an experienced coach. They've got an experienced roster. They're, they're the team to beat uh, starting on Thursday up here.
0: All right. Um, let's move on to the Kent State and Central Michigan game. Uh, Kent State in particular, I think we've probably got some listeners in our area that are, uh, you know, alums of that, uh, that school and uh, would probably have an interest in the Golden Flashes. Uh, what do we need to know? Uh, about that
1: program and that game uh to me this year was about over believe it or not overachieving for Kent State um they had uh they had a transfer loss from last year they lost a seven footer uh Adonis De La Rosa they had another big uh lose basically his entire year with a knee injury I was not expecting big things from Kent State this year uh they're they're guard heavy they're playing one big guy a lot of the time I, I thought there would be periods where they would really struggle in in trying to switch from a more balanced look offensively to to kind of a four out one in that they're running. But the credit to Rob Senderoff and and senior guards, Jalen Walker and uh, uh, Jalen Avery, Uh, they've held it together. They've been terrific in close games. I, I think they're like nine and one or something along those lines and games decided by five points or less. And, and they, in, in Walker, they have a guy that can go out and get his own shot and is capable of carrying a team on any given night. So, they're, they're, it, it's been an overachieving year for Kent State. Now, unfortunately, they, they had some questions crop up last minute, last week. Jalen Walker, their, their their leading scorer, their best player, uh, first-team All-Mac guy, uh, was held out uh, from their, their last regular season game against Akron. Some sort of uh, disciplinary thing with, with, with him and the university, and, and there's been questions about whether he's going to play on Thursday. Uh, so, I don't know but uh, so we'll see on that uh, you know it wouldn't be the MAC tournament if there wasn't a little if there wasn't at least a little drama around one of these eight teams in Cleveland and, and unfortunately for Kent State uh, I think they, they got the short end of the straw in that regard so will Jalen Walker play? Uh, if he doesn't then they're going to have a tough time with Central Michigan which which like them is, is going to play four guards if not five guards sometimes uh, with Jalen Walker in the mix I like their chances to beat Central Michigan and get another crack at Buffalo
0: all right night session on Thursday get uh, Toledo and Northern Illinois Uh, NIU knocked out Bobcats Uh, Toledo they are uh, the two seed in this tournament right and I and correct me if I'm wrong but they did they play in the final last year
1: yes uh, Buffalo got them in the final a year ago uh, and the Rockets have had a good year they've got 25 wins uh, if 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 Buffalo wasn't in the league this year, there would be probably more of a push to, to, to see Toledo get some at-large consideration. But, but as is, that's that's not going to happen. I think Toledo's got to win the tournament to, to have it to, to get into the NCAA. But uh, again, very efficient offensively, as a lot of Todd Kowalczyk's teams are. A uh, number of guys who can shoot the three. Uh, they got a stretch four, Nate Navigado, the point guard, Marian Jackson, a uh, kid from Northeast Ohio, uh, and uh, they. Even their center, Luke Kanatke, uh 6'11 guy, good around the rim, can can, can stretch the floor. So they're, they're very good offensively. The, the downside for them is they haven't, again, like all these high seeds, they haven't played for a week. And, and a team that doesn't rely on athleticism or, or power, uh, if your timing is a little off, you, you wonder what that kind of layoff will, will do to you. But uh, I, I think the Rockets are, have proven throughout the course of 30 games that they're clearly the second-best team in the league didn't show real well against Buffalo uh, the, the two times they played. But, but again, if, if they get to Saturday night and get a chance for revenge, uh, you know, they've got a shot because they're a team that can, that can get hot and, and hit 10, 15 threes and, and really uh, really push a team with the, with their ability to score the basketball.
0: Okay, and then the, uh, the final quarterfinal matchup, Bowling Green, Ball State. I think Ball State was the only team that was playing on the road last night uh, to uh to get a win and advance to cleveland and uh, bowling green i felt like they had a lot of buzz early in the season and in the early part of the max schedule did they cool off a little bit or am i off base
1: no uh you you're right bowling dream bowling dream uh bowling green kind of leapt to the finish uh they lost to miami they lost to ohio uh i think they 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 got beat by Akron, uh, and they and they lost to Buffalo. I think uh, all all within that last three week window. Uh, so they they looked great a month ago. The last couple weeks, uh, not so much. So who's going to show up on Thursday? Uh, Coach Michael Uger, I think, is is eager to see that question answer itself. And and it begins with on the defensive end for BG. Uh, they they've got some good players on the offensive end, uh, but but. To them, their identity is the defense. They've they've got to hunker down and defend if, if they want to win multiple games in this tournament. Uh, their opponent, Ball State, the 11 seed. Unfortunately, I think they're the most disappointing team in the conference this year. There were a lot of folks, myself included, that thought they would they would challenge if not win the MAC West Division, and uh, just never got started. I, I don't. They had a great non-conference schedule. They they had a good net rating. You know, they were they were Ken Palm top 100 team. Uh, and and they just got they just got trucked in, in conference play. I, I they had a couple depth injuries early in the year and maybe that wore on their their regular rotation as the year went on. Uh, but to me, they were the most underperforming team when you look at where you thought they were going to be and where they finished. Now they they rallied and and won at Eastern Michigan on Monday to get the only upset so far in the tournament. But I I don't like their chances to beat BG. Uh, that's that's a tough turnaround for any team and for a team that's probably. Not as deep as it needs to be, and has had issues all year. I, I think the Falcons are going to going to find a way to win and get a third game against their rivals uh, from Toledo.
0: I was going to say I have n- nothing against Northern <laughs> Illinois or Ball State, but I've got friends who graduated from Toledo and Bowling Green uh, who would certainly love to see uh, another a rivalry game between those two schools with a shot uh, at getting to the MAC championship game. Uh, coming up oh, this yes. weekend, that that would be a lot right. of fun. That would be a good late uh, semifinal on Friday night. I I would enjoy that as well. So uh, I'm I'm keeping my fingers right. crossed for that.
1: And, and um, you're you know you're you're one upset from getting uh, Akron Kent State in in the first semifinal on 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 Friday too. So that could be a that could be a really Ohio centric semifinal Friday night.
0: I'm sure the uh, folks uh, counting tickets at the box office <laughs> would have no problems with that being the case. Um, <laughs> Any uh, any players in specific that uh, maybe you haven't mentioned yet that uh, we need to know about, or is there anybody in this tournament that you feel like uh, could potentially be uh, an NBA uh, caliber player here?
1: Uh, CJ Massenburg. Um, again, if you're going to watch one guy in this tournament, watch watch him. Uh, he he plays hard. He uh, he has he, you know he's six three, six four ish. Does a lot of things well uh and has the the guts, the intestinal fortitude. When they're trying to hang on to a four point lead with five minutes to go, he's the guy that hits the three pointer that kind of breaks your back. He's he's the guy that, that finds an offensive rebound and scores a put back when his team has just given up an eight oh run. You know, he's he's that guy for Buffalo. He's he's the 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 building block, the thing that everything kind of you know satellites around or, or works through for them. Uh there's a few guys I whose game I've liked this year um I I like the Kanapke kid from uh from Toledo. Uh, again, he's more of a stretch five. Uh maybe maybe needs to get stronger physically or more physical, but again, a huge wingspan, uh and because of his size, he's a legit legit six eleven. Uh, I think he's got a shot to play at the next level. And the, the best uh, the best prototypical or the best traditional big in the league this year has been DiMaggio Wiggins from Bowling Green. Again, six ish uh long reach, long arm. Uh, athletic fit, uh, a good shot blocker he can really change the game on the defensive end. Uh, so a couple bigs, a guard and Jalen Walker might be the, again, if he plays, might be the most fun guy to watch this weekend if they can get a couple games out of Kent State because his ability to find a shot anywhere on the floor at any point in time is surpassed by nobody in the entire league. And when he gets it rolling, he is he is one of the most aggravating people to watch if you're an opposing fan because it, it sometimes it doesn't matter uh where, where he's at on the floor. It's going up and he's got a chance to go in and if you want a Jalen Walker Junior then in Eugene German from northern Illinois is, is along those lines. You get another another smaller guard five eleven maybe and and quick, uh decisive and again has that ability and that that, that lack of fear. Uh, where he will take shots anywhere on the floor and, and, and has the ability to make you really pay. So there's a handful of the most, uh, I don't know, the best guys, the guys I've enjoyed watching a lot this year uh, playing this weekend. And, and again, don't forget the coaches on the sideline. Uh, with John Gross, you're in for a good show if you just watch him for 40 minutes because his <laughs> his animations are pretty good. Todd Kowalczyk can get pretty red-faced and, and stomping angry over there on the sideline. Nate Oates is very animated on, on the sideline. So whether you're watching the coaches or the players, there's going to be a lot of good things happening in the queue uh, starting on Thursday. And uh, it's, it's, it's always a good time.
0: Might be your last chance to see NATO. It's I got to imagine that if they uh, cash in another nice March here, he's got to be in demand for some other jobs outside of uh, Buffalo. And with that many seniors graduating it might be a good time to make the move, right?
1: It it feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's like, this is the class he's he's won all his games with. There, you know, it's a chance to go out together. It's a chance to go out in a blaze of glory in the NCAA tournament. It feels like this is a year for him to, to to move on somewhere. Now he's he's got to have a job to move on to. And I didn't know how selective or how eager he, he is to leave Western New York, but it definitely feels like this could be his his last go around in the Mid American Conference.
0: Good. Let's get him out of here. We got to uh, clear the decks at the top of the uh, Mac East division standings for my Bobcats. So uh, no complaints. Uh, all, all the best to uh, NATO. Let's go get yourself a promotion and a nice big payday at another <laughs> conference somewhere far, far away from here. You've beaten us up enough. Thank you. Uh, but thank you, Jason. This has been good stuff as always. I appreciate uh, you coming on every year. This is always fun.
1: Always glad to help out, Tom. And and maybe next year we can we can we can just mention the Cavs again. This is kind of like been their year in exile. Um, it's I, I tried to tell people last summer. I said, don't get your hopes up. This is this this is a tank year, and uh, and unfortunately that came that came to pass. But uh, hopefully, this is a shorter process than the one Philadelphia had to go through. I'll be through.
0: honest. You know, it it's been a it's a, obviously not what we've seen here the last few years, but. Um, as long as your expectations are realistic it's been not that painful this year and maybe having a championship and four finals appearances over the last few years uh, helps soften the blow but uh, a lot of likable guys on this Cavs roster and especially now that Kevin Love's back they've been pretty watchable and it's 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 not bad we were down I took the family down there last weekend the game against Orlando that Sunday game and we had a lot of fun actually, so uh it, it it's not all bad. I I, I you know it's, only and to... it's certain
1: and it's What's certainly it? been less dramatic, right? Uh like you don't have a storyline every day about this guy saying something about that guy or this Nobody's guy. Nobody's throwing, throwing soup this, soup this year, no. It's, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, a lot less dramatic.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be a lot quieter in uh, May and June, but uh, that's the trade off I guess. Um <laughs> Well, uh, I will hopefully see you down uh, at the queue on Saturday. I'm going to be down there for the championship game. Um, I'm guessing you'll still be here unless you get called back to Athens for a uh, a coaching change press conference. But uh, we'll see what happens, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen that quick. You got to make the decision, and then with everyone playing in the postseason, uh, I, you know, I don't expect a hire, but, but that soon but uh the ohio women have a chance to win the the mac tournament so i'm going to stay up here and follow them through and uh, the last few years i've been able to, to stay through the tournament from start to finish and i think that's the plan right now unless unless something really comes up i should be there each and every day
0: well i uh i hope you enjoy that and uh try to sneak in a trip or two over to barrio uh, a block oh. away it's uh, always one of my favorite spots we were talking about before we started recording here
1: Yeah, I've already got one trip in, and uh, I'm sure it won't be the last of the week.
0: All right, there it is. Big thanks to Jason Arkley for coming on the show. Always enjoy talking Mac basketball with him. If you like college hoops and you're in Northeast Ohio, head down to Cleveland this weekend and uh, check out some of the games at uh, Quicken Loans Arena. In the meantime, that's going to be a wrap for this episode. Subscribe to The Nail in the Coffin on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Tune In. You can also stream us on WaitingForNextYear.com. And in case you missed it, yesterday we had Pat Leonard, Giants B writer for the new york daily news on to talk about the browns big trade for odell beckham jr i really appreciate him coming on the show uh, on short notice and he brought some great info definitely go check that out if you haven't listened already that'll do it for us for this week i do believe trav will be back next week to join me until then i'm tom valentino this has been the nail in the coffin and we'll talk to you again soon
1: Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport.